Hey guys, I'm excited to do a really great giveaway this month. This month's giveaway is the ESV Preaching Bible provided by Crossway. Created from the ground up with input from pastors and church leaders, the ESV Preaching Bible was designed with the preacher in mind. This edition features highly readable 10-point type in a single-column format, enlarged and boldened verse numbers to make it easy and to quickly locate verses on the page, extra-wide margins for notes, high-quality paper, and durable Smithsonian binding befitting a preacher's most valuable tool. Learn more at crossway.org. And last month, I was provided with one of these Bibles. I've been using it for a month and absolutely loving it. You can sign up for the giveaway in the show notes. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 148 or 149. I have to double check. I hope you're doing well this morning. I'm going to talk to you about the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum from our trip that our family took last week. It was really compelling, really well done, and I'm just excited to tell you about it. After this week, I'm going to be starting a series on rites of passage. So that's going to start next week. And I've done an episode on that where I talked about the rites of passages built around the six words of masculinity, worship, work, protect, provide, lead, love. But what I'm going to do is take one week at a time and isolate each one of those six components, and then talk about rites of passages built around those six steps of masculinity. And so, would love for you to listen in on that. It's going to be, I think, a lot of fun talking through that. I've been thinking about that for a very long time, and I'm first going to lay out a case for why rites of passages, I think rites of passages are biblical, and, uh, and then we'll get into those six steps. So, that's going to be a lot of fun. Be looking out for that. That's going to be next week, starting next week. Let's go ahead and pray, and then let's talk about the Ark Encounter. Father, we just thank you so much for this day, this opportunity we have to think about you and what you have done, what you have created. And Lord, in this episode, I'm excited to talk about just creation itself, what you have done. I thank you for everything that's been going on at the Ark Encounter through Ken Ham and at the Creation Museum as well. And it's just so, it was awesome. And so we just thank you for, for your work to create the whole universe in such an orderly manner that we can look and stand in awe and who you are because of what you've done. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, pastors, I want to encourage you to take your people to the Ark Encounter and to the Creation Museum. Now, if you were a pastor in the stream that I had been in for years of pastoral ministry, which was with the North American Mission Board, which we are as a, as a North American Mission Board plant, and also with Sojourn Network, now Harbor Network, the idea of going to the Creation Museum or the Ark Encounter would be somewhat I don't know, definitely not compelling, but almost embarrassing. For some reason within Cool Christianity, there is almost this uh, embarrassment about Ken Ham, the Creation Museum, and believing in a six-day literal creation, and this whole ARC experience thing. It feels like, what it felt like being there was that it was a a group of -of middle-of-the-road evangelical Christians that just loved Jesus and really were intrigued by the Ark Encounter and everything that they had put together. And it wasn't so much a, a stream of cool Christianity folks. It was like Mennonites, homeschoolers, that kind of crowd 
So I realize that there are some pastors that are like, okay, I'm, I don't want to be a young earth creationist. That's not me. I'm going to try to build a case if you're not a young earth creationist for why I think you should be. And then at the end of this, hopefully you'll think, huh, maybe we should go see the Ark Encounter. And uh, I, I really, it was, it was a really well done thing. So a few things. I've got five things written down here. Excuse me, four things written down here about the Ark Encounter. And then a few things about the Creation Museum. And then I want to tell you why I am a young earth creationist. And that was a position that I shifted on, where I used to not be as firm of a young earth creationist as I am today. Okay, number one, the Ark Encounter in, we, you know, our family got free tickets to Creation Museum, so we decided to make it a two-day trip, and we went to the Ark Encounter first. So last Monday, we went, we left after church, went and stayed at a hotel, went to the swimming pool, which the kids liked almost as much as the Ark. Of course, the swimming pool is always the best or main attraction of any trip you take when you have young children. And so we went and swam in the swimming pool, and then on Monday went to the Ark Encounter. And the first thing that I recognized is how well done everything was, from the parking lot to the actual attraction itself. You, you go in and you go to the ticket booth, you got brought up to the Ark, and to the park, and to the zoo area, and the, and the food area, and all of that, by these big passenger buses that would just bring you up and shuttle you from the ticket booth and where the parking lot is all the way up to the Ark. And right when you pull off the interstate, you can see, and by the way, this is like right south of Cincinnati, Ohio, is where this is located, but you can see the Ark, and you can recognize how huge this thing is from the parking lot. I mean, it's massive. And you're already pretty much, I mean, you're just standing in awe already, thinking about not only how did you know modern builders build this thing, but how in the world did Noah and his family over 120 years build this ark? It must have been just God himself giving him the ability to do this with his hands and with the tools that were required. I mean, think about making every single peg that had to go into the hull was just, it, it's mind-blowing thinking about 120 years of work. And it's also mind-blowing thinking about how ridiculed Noah and his family would have been year in, year out, decade in, decade out. And my wife and I got to jo joke and Jordan was thinking, like, I wonder how many conversations that Noah and his wife had, you know, honey, is this really, you know, like, are we crazy? And, it, you know, because, I mean, the onslaught of ridicule would have had to have come. You know, in the end, obviously, all the people that were naysayers, all the people that were the sand ballots of Noah, you know, were banging on the door and saying, you know, this, this old crazy guy was right. But it gave us a lot of encouragement just thinking about doing what God has required has always, always, always meant that God's people have to be willing to look weird to the world. You know, and, and Noah had to, day in and day out, wake up thinking about, I don't care what people think. I'm here to do what God has called me to do. So first impressions were just mind-blowing, where all these different thoughts come to your head. And they didn't cut any corners. Ken Ham has raised so much money, and they did such a good job spending that money. If anybody has ever donated to the Ark Encounter or anything at the Creation Museum, all you got to do to wonder what they've done with the money is just go to those places and recognize how well done these things are. They didn't cut corners. It was really a world-class attraction across the board. Secondly, I loved that everything from these two different locations, and by the way, these are separated by about an hour or so, but both of these, this is like, this is something that's true about the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. Everything at the Ark Encounter was rooted in the sufficiency of the scriptures. I absolutely 
loved that. They talked about God's word. They had displays about God's word, the reliability of the scriptures, the reliability of the manuscripts, the canon of scripture. Why can we trust what God says? It was really so awesome. And they really pulled everything out of the scriptures to say, hey, here's why we're doing what we're doing. Here's why we believe what we believe about creation itself. You walk away from these attractions knowing that this group really does believe God's word. It's, it's awesome. It really is. The third thing that I just loved, and this brought me and everybody that was in our row, Jordan, my in-laws, we were just sitting there weeping because we're on the screen and we're hearing Ray Comfort lay out the gospel in this little mini movie that was like a 24, 25-minute movie. And we, we said we were just going to sit down and watch a couple minutes of it. We thought, I don't want to sit for 25 minutes. And there's a lot of things to see because you're in and you're seeing these little animal stalls. You're seeing how all this stuff worked. And it was just it was amazing how, how they just thought through every single thing when it came to what, what possibly, how, how all this stuff worked on the ark. But as we're sitting there listening to Ray Comfort in this little video, we were just all weeping. It was so powerful just to hear the gospel preached and hear about Jesus being the door. They make this connection over and over again. How You know, you guys know how God closed the door on the ark. And then in John 10, when Jesus said, I am the door, there's so many gospel connections with the ark. And it's like when you're there, all of these just get brought to your mind and they point out all these different connections from the ark and God bringing salvation from his wrath in the ark and the cross of Christ. You know, connections that I'd seen a little bit before and, you know, I've known before. But then when you're there, there's so many that they pull out and put right in front of your face. And, it, and then when you hear Ray Comfort preaching the gospel, it is just so it's just overwhelming. I mean, I, I don't know how to, how to say it, except the Holy Spirit was moving. I mean, the Holy Spirit was at work there, turning our attention together in that room to Jesus. And it was awesome. Absolutely awesome. So that was wonderful. And then the fourth thing is that it really is, the evidence they present is so compelling. It's so compelling. They have answers for almost every question. You think that you have a question that they've not thought of before? They're like, okay, here's a display for that. We've worked through that. We've thought through that. Is there anybody here that could help you? And the people that were helping, it was like it was a huge Chick-fil-A. Everybody there looked like they were just, I don't, I mean, grown up in Christian homes, trained in Christian homes, eager to help. I mean, they, they were so wonderful and so helpful. And I think everybody there actually has to sign on to being a young earth creationist and agree with what's going on. There's not people there that are just skeptics and just need a job or something like that. I mean, these are all great people that were working there. And everybody was just so kind. It was just such a clean park. I mean, everything was great. And so they, they had answers for every question and smiles behind the answers. It was really, really awesome. So the Ark Encounter overall was just an amazing experience. I want to encourage you to go. It is a little bit pricey. I think it was like almost 50 bucks a person. But let me just say this, totally worth it absolutely worth it. No big deal. If you need to save up for your family, do that and then bring them, you know, at some time. I would I would say probably not in the middle of the summer. It was pretty warm, but uh, obviously most of the time in the ark is spent inside the ark, and which, which is air conditioning. <laughs> That's an upgrade in the ark 2.0. So ark was awesome. Okay, Creation Museum. Now, the Creation Museum we went to on Tuesday. It was a, uh, let's see, not Tuesday. Uh, yeah, Tuesday. Just a second. Let me get a sip of my coffee. So we go to the Creation Museum, which is about an hour away, and the Creation Museum is a different experience. Children loved the Ark. They got to go to the zoo area at the Ark. They just love that. There's so many things to look at. It's big. It is just, you know, awe-inspiring. And then the Creation Museum is just different. 
and it's not like it's less well done. It's very well done. But what's presented in the Creation Museum is more for adults who really want to read and pause and go room by room and read each thing that's presented. And the Creation Museum had some things that were similar with the Ark experience. Number one, it was centered on the scriptures and the gospel of Jesus. The gospel is presented and the scriptures are sufficient to answer the questions that we have about creation and that is on display there very, very well. The gospel is just everywhere at both of these attractions. There was just so <laughs> just so good. You might walk out of the Creation Museum still being believing in, in an old earth, but you're going to have to really, really struggle through that because there is so much information and so many answers to questions that everyone has across the board about the origins of life and, and the whole how of life and the process and the age of the earth and all of that. They just have so many answers to those questions that if you walk in with a different position, you're going to walk out at least considering or questioning the position that you walked in with. So it, it was really well done. It was no less well done than the Ark. It was just such a different attraction. But... I would encourage you to go to the Creation Museum as well. So if you're going to go, package these things together and try to go over two days. Stay at a hotel or an Airbnb or something and go and do this. Now, pastors, I would encourage your churches to go to these attractions. They it, Just talk about it. It's really good. Tell them how great it's been. Our elders went earlier this year and then did a presentation for our church about it. And we're hopefully going to go in the fall on another trip. But I just want to encourage you to go. It's amazing. Get through the, if you're in the cool pastor scene, who cares what people are going to think? Don't be embarrassed about Instagramming yourself at the Ark or something. Uh, get past that foolishness. It's so awesome. So I want to encourage you to go. Now, let me tell you why I disagree with Charles Spurgeon vehemently on the age of the earth. And I just want to tell you why I am a young earth creationist. Now, I've always been a creationist, obviously. You're a Christian. You have to be. I've never been a theistic evolutionist. However, a few years ago, I read Francis Collins' book, who is a lead, you know, he's been on the scene with Dr. Fauci and stuff. He wrote a book, I forget what it's called, but his argument was for theistic evolution and how he became a Christian through recognizing the complexities of life and recognizing that this had to be by an author and not by accident. And so he became a Christian and wrote a book about it, uh, The Language of God, I think. It was looking at the DNA, Francis Collins. Now, I don't recommend that book, but I did read it, and at least it made, made me sympathetic to those who would have a theistic evolutionist view, sympathetic to Tim Keller's position, many other Christian positions that are somewhat somewhat new. And I already knew that Spurgeon was not a young earth creationist. And I just want you to go ahead and listen to this quote, and then I want to tell you why, from the scriptures, I really dis disagree with him. I don't know why he took this position, to be honest, but here's what he said. But if you you look at the first chapter of Genesis, you will see more than particularly set forth a particular, a peculiar operation of power upon the universe, which was put forth by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> you will then discover what was his special work. In Genesis 1-2, we read, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. We do not know how remote the period of creation of this globe may be. Certainly, many millions of years before the time of Adam. So there's that gap between Genesis 1-2 and Genesis 1-3. And that's what Schofield said as well and popularized through his Schofield study, study system was this gap theory. Certainly, certainly, Spurgeon says, millions of years before, before the time of Adam. But then he goes on to say this, Our planet has passed through various stages of existence and different kinds of creatures have lived on its surface, all of which have been fashioned by God. Now, let me just ask you, based on a reading of Genesis, if you can get to that position without knowing something about evolution 
Darwinian theory, and modern explanations about the age of the earth. Let me just read this. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Verse 6, And God said, Let there be expanse in the midst of the waters. Verse 9, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let dry land appear. Verse 11, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, which is for their seed, each, each according to its kind on the earth. Verse 14, And God said, Let the lights in the expanse of the heavens separate from the day and night, and let them be signs for seasons and for days and for years. Verse 20, And God said, Let the waters swarm, and the living creatures, let birds fly over the, above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. Verse 24, And God said, Let earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And then, Verse 26, and God said, let man, let us make man in our image after our likeness. If you're just reading Genesis chapter 1, and this is really what solidified it when we went through Genesis a couple years ago, this solidified it for me. Animals are after Genesis 1-2. They're after. And that's just so clear. You cannot read Genesis and then come away with any sort of gap theory or any sort of theory that fits into modern theory of the age of the earth, modern evolutionist theory, or, or even theistic evolutionist theories. You can't get that. And what I love about Ken Ham is they just look at the scriptures and they just say, here's what it says. I don't, this is, so this is how it is. I don't care what sort of external evidences, there may be some answers for that. What we see in creation is not as reliable as what the scriptures tell us. And I think that they're right. I think that this is a great indicator in steps towards liberalism. If you're embarrassed about a young earth creation, if you're embarrassed about even six creation days, I think it's most likely because you want to save face within the world and it's not because you're looking at the scriptures and saying, here's what the scriptures say. When it comes to the age of the earth, I used to say, I think the earth is between six and 10,000 years old because maybe there's gaps in some of the genealogies. But now, based on seeing what they have, I think it's absolutely right. The scriptures are clear. The earth is 6,000 years old. And honestly, I don't care what anyone thinks about that because I believe in the sufficiency of the scriptures. And so I'm not embarrassed about what God has to say. I think what God has to say is not just compelling, it's not just that there's evidence for it, it's God's word. And so I'm going to believe it. I think Spurgeon was dead wrong on that issue. And I think any theistic evolutionist or any, any creationist that believes that the earth is millions of years old and then tries to use Genesis 1 to explain it has a big, big problem explaining death before the fall and has a big, big problem with the order in which Genesis, Genesis 1 and 2 are written. Well, guys, I hope, I hope that this has been helpful. Thanks so much for listening. I would encourage you to go to the Ark Encounter. It's a lot of fun. Also, be looking for that giveaway. The way you enter is just share a post and tag me in it. And I just and then at the end of the month, I will randomly select somebody who tagged me in a post throughout the month. So if you want to get the ESV Preaching Bible, just go ahead and sign up by sharing something of mine and tagging me in it. And I guess, guys, I think that's it. Hope you guys have a good rest of your day.